Fine. I haven't felt very good this week. I feel like COVID. I'm running, running on empty. It's like COVID. I did start off the week thinking maybe I was getting sick because my finance sciences were fucking like killing me. But it's probably just because I have too much cocaine. Well, I have a permanent like science infection, I think, because my um, deviated septum. So that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm not doing any cocaine now, but I have done a bunch. Snorted a lot of things. Crushing that meth. Snorted a lot of things and put them up your nose. Sometimes you crush them and put them up your butt. Ugh. Talking about the booty bumps. If you're not, bumps. if you're, if you're less, you're a wimp. You do booty bumps. Booty bump the ecstasy. Booty bump. I think that's what this movie's about. Dirty dancing. Then it's about bumping booties. And the dancing was sure was dirty. Not really. It seemed pretty formal to me. <laughs> they were bumping and grinding in their little club. Uh, I don't have anything really to talk about this week. Like I said, if I can run on empty, obviously uh, the slow march to the ultimate sacrifice of the death cult continues, but I guess I'm tired of talking about it. I'm just waiting to die. I mean, what is there really to talk about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it continues on. The march continues onwards. <laughs> breathe it in keep it safe in your monkey skin oh uh this friday if you'd like to watch us uh do live commentary about uh friday the 13th we'll probably do that friday the 13th it's on our twitches going down you also have to i think you have to have it on amazon prime is the way it works deal with Ooh. it at 9 p.m remember doggy fizzle television remember i do remember doggy fizzle dog television. had a tv show on like mtv weird tr- transition is that what you want this to be I guess I just um, the other day I couldn't remember what the show was called, but I was I remember the clip where he goes to hang out with the kids. Mm-hmm. And there's a kid on the monkey bars, and he's like, "Show me a trick." And the kid <laughs> goes, in the face. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, I didn't like that trick." And I was like trying to find that clip forever on the internet. And My favorite like, part is like how obvious it was Snoop Dogg, but at the end he takes off his like wig, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> Snoop Dogg." <laughs> It took me forever to find the clip online, and I was just like, I tweeted it at someone at some point, I think. Fucking, like, Google and searches and shit fucking suck now, man. They're so useless. It's all just, like, paid advertisement and shit. It's so impossible to find, like, specific things on Google, I feel like, unless you know, like, exactly what product you're looking for. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sort of. It's true that some of this shit's really hard to find. Stuff that I know existed, I can't find anymore. Yeah, it's just yeah, I go through like eight pages of like fucking advertisements essentially. It's like what well, this doesn't have anything to do with what I'm searching for. You're just trying to sell me shit. Just like everybody else. Oh well. Dirty dancing. Ted Dancing. I think I uh I harped on this movie last week, but it's a better movie than I gave it credit for. Yeah, it's alright. I um I don't know, I really didn't want to watch it for some reason. I was like, Man, why'd I put this on the fucking list? Why'd you watch this movie? And then I finally forced myself to watch it yesterday, and I was like, "Damn, eh, that it wasn't so bad." <laughs> On a year without a summer, it's a, it's a fine movie. <laughs> a year without party rocking. That was the summer of 1963, when everybody called me baby, and it didn't occur to me to mind. That was before President Kennedy was shot. 
before the Beatles came, when I couldn't wait to join the Peace Corps, and I thought I'd never find a guy as great as my dad. That was the summer we went to Kellerman's. I see that there's a lot of people that still seem to be enjoying their summer. Yeah, so, good for them. It's you know, not me. <laughs> Those brave souls going out there and spreading viruses around. <laughs> I think it was a mistake. Not in other countries, of course. They seem to be doing all right. For now, until it spreads again. Just America. You can't keep the American contagion contained. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, turns out borders aren't real, huh? Anyways, uh, Dirty Dancing came out in 1987. No, nah, I was like 1963. So Spending so, the summer at a Catskills resort with her family, Frances Baby Houseman falls in love with the camp's dance instructor, Johnny Castle. Mm. That's like a porn name. Johnny <laughs> Castle. Johnny Castle. Catskills, that's supposed to be in like upstate New York, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, they actually filmed it in like North Carolina or some shit like that. Yeah, one well, so there's two spots, right? One's in like the Appalachians, isn't it? Oh, really? I think so. Oh, there's two Catskills. No, I mean they filmed it at two spots, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they just filmed it in the South, not New York. The opposite of New York, it was um the South, Appalachian parts. Yeah, it's in the mountains in North Carolina and shit. North North Kakalaki, as they say. <laughs> What does what else comes from North Carolina? Coca Cola or is that South Carolina? Uh, I think it is. No, that's isn't that Georgia, Atlanta? Oh, Coca-Cola. Georgia, yeah. I think no. Michael Jordan comes from North Carolina and peanuts and Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A is from North Carolina. That's uh, what it is. Yeah. Well, Michael Jordan's our most important export. <laughs> Fuck them kids. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Nineteen. 87. Yeah, it's supposed to take place in the 60s, though, like 1963 or some shit. Yeah, they're not very consistent. She said it's before JFK got shot. I don't know. Most of the soundtrack is contemporary 80s music. What the fuck is that about? (laughs) No, there's some, there's some, uh, as my mom mom would call it, rhythm and blues in there. (laughs) Yeah, there's some um, 60s pop hits in it. But then, uh, so at the very last dance, uh, the record they play is the song we hear. So it's diegetic music, right? It's music within the yeah. story. And there's someone even comments on it like, oh, we got, does anyone know the, the, well, you got sheet music? music for this? Yeah. It's like, as if that song is this in the sixties. Back to the future shit. <laughs> no, weird. that's your cousin, Marvin Barry. <laughs> Marvin. Yeah, so there's a lot of weird uh, anachronisms. I think I mentioned last week that most every time I've watched this movie, I didn't realize it was supposed to be the 60s, and I still kind of don't. It doesn't I like that they good. start it with like a bookending uh, narration that they never use again. Yeah, and th- th- they pull up in the station wagon that doesn't look that retro. Station wagons look the same forever. Yeah, they look the same since 1923. I don't know. Everyone's dressed like it could be any time, right? Sword, um, yeah, they kind of like again, they, they kind of pay lip service to the idea that it's in the 60s, but they're not consistent, yeah. 
real second. They didn't put too I, much you know, I, into I, it. I, I want to live in, in Johnny's little lake cabin by a lake. That's my life. I'm I'm done with this this uh this nine to five world. He doesn't have any books in there. Yeah, but you can get some books. You don't have to be like him. No, He's got a record player though. That rich guy said that poor people can't have books. Now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, he ain't got no books in there. He's Neil, hey, you think that 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 dirty poor knows how to read? Yeah. So the only things that really said it in the '60s are uh, the the abortion subplot, and then also the uh, very stark class divide between whites. Because uh, yeah, that still exists. It still exists, but you don't see it in movies. <laughs> <laughs> Don't see it in movies too much. I mentioned it before how like uh, the only time I see really movies or media that reflects the lifestyle I'm used to, they're usually like bummer drug movies and shit, right? That's the only time I see people that kind of seem like me. For some reason, it's always like drug addicts and criminals and shit. <laughs> but um, I was thinking about that is there really has been um, this push towards like the media monoculture that you see in movies where everyone's just like so perfectly upper middle class and they got their nice little studio in New York. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, um, it's really, I don't even want to say it's necessarily a movie. It's just pervasive throughout everything. You see it in like those stupid reality shows even. Yeah. Uh, I think we made fun of it before and it's obviously a meme on the internet. We're like, yeah, that's weird. So anyways, yeah, I guess my point is, um, uh, it's weird to see a mainstream movie, like a mainstream hit like this, where uh, the, it actually does have some class consciousness to it. Because I feel like you don't really see it at all anymore unless it's a period piece. Well, Thankfully, uh, this one's a period piece, it's but period. it's like it's also highly reflective of the uh, Reagan era it's in anyways. And the uh, era we live in currently. Yeah. Weird how it never seems to change. Uh, it shouldn't be a problem, though. I don't foresee that being a problem. I don't think anyone ever will get tired of it. It hasn't happened yet. Nope, everyone's perfectly fine now. And we're, we all united around the join together to stop the pandemic. Economy <laughs> is working for everyone finally, and things have never, things have never been better in the good old USA. Uh, this movie was directed by a man named Emil Ardolino. Aha, uh-huh, yeah, Dirty Dancing. He's a co founder of the Compton Ardolino Films in 1967. He co founded it. He's best known as for his dance documentaries, which helped to popularize dance in America during the uh, mid-1970s onwards. So he's uh, not really um, a movie director sort of guy. He's a, he's a dance guy. He's a music theater, dancey shit director kind of guy. But after Dirty Dancing, he did direct Three Men and a Little Lady and Sister Act. Hmm. So I, I don't remember liking Three Men and a Little Lady. Three Men and a Little Baby, classic Gutenberg. Uh, obviously, Sister Act has stars uh, Whoopi Goldberg, so it's amazing. Sister Act's pretty good, I recall. Um, he did not direct Back in the Habit, though, which is a really good pun for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's not really a movies guy. He's more of a directing a dancey guy. He directs the dancey stuff. But he's like, ah, I need the Directors Guild of Health Care. There's no, uh, like, Film Dancers Guild or anything? Uh, there probably is, but you got to imagine the Directors Guild has way better benefits, right? Yeah, Directors Guild, I assume, probably has the best shit. Well, no, probably, like, the... Um, it's, the uh, Directors Guild is the, the guild that always throws the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild overboard when there's, there's uh, a negotiation, right? Or is it the, uh, the Actors Guild? It's one of them that always screws over the other. 
And I don't think it's the Writers Guild. <laughs> no, the Writers Guild always seems to get the short end of the stick. I feel like the Editors Guild is the one that has the most power. They're always tossing everybody overboard. Yeah, maybe it's the directors. It's one of those. Know, this is like, I'm like talking way on a turn here because I don't give a shit enough to to follow it. It's also like, man, how lucky that their entire industry is unionized. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, this film was written by a woman named Eleanor Bergstein. And according to a 2008 interview with Mrs. Bergstein, the characters... Autobiographical. Yeah, characters of Baby and Johnny were both influenced by her own uh, life. Uh, just like Baby, she came from a liberal Jewish family who visited the Catskills resorts during the 1960s. Her father was a doctor, and she was nicknamed Baby until she was about 22 years old. And then, like Johnny Castle, Johnny Castle, she was a skilled, dirty dancer, air quotes, <laughs> who learned at house parties and later became an Arthur Murray instructor. So she is like a professional dancer and shit. I don't know if I necessarily buy her like sinking away to go to some raucous house parties to learn dirty dancing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That seems made up. That seems yeah, like I'm buying, I'm buying the whole thing. <laughs> Crick. That's cloud chasing. It's stolen valor. from the real dirty dancers the real Johnny Castles out there who were struggling to make ends meet by dancing with rich ladies his job doesn't seem that bad no he kind of I mean like I mean he gets treated like shit but oh man (laughs) not a lot of he gets yelled at about everything like the scene where him and um Penny come out and they're like thoroughly entertaining the crowd and the owner's like, knock that off, stop entertaining the crowd. <laughs> yeah, well, the little, well, the little pipsqueak guy's like, oh, how dare my, this girl I like be interested in someone else. <laughs> yeah, he, he shouldn't be dancing with her. That's not how I make money. <laughs> yeah, that shit's I'm, I'm, a, I'm in hotel management. I know my shit. I got to school for it. <laughs> hotel. He's going to the Cornell School of Hotel Management. Is that like real shit? Is that real upper echelon you don't think, yeah, 100%. In the 1963, there's probably like a really high class hotel management school. Yeah. But at this point in, in our history, um, you can go to like probably the state school, you do hotel management. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's how pervasive this bullshit has gotten. Hmm. It just seems like. Not something you need to learn in a fucking school. Well, yeah, as, 100%. As it's depicted in the film, I assumed like all hotels were just passed down through generational wealth. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think anyone went to school for that. I thought people just owned them and did what they wanted. It's kind of, <laughs> I mean, then they had to like codify it. They had to like pretend there was like some secret knowledge to it, like mm-hmm. every other thing rich people do. Like, oh, uh, no, you don't have the secret insider knowledge. You got to go to school to learn how to own property. <laughs> Ah, just another thrilling episode of VHS cults, class warfare. Then, well, this movie's this movie brought it out. It's not our fault. I see it in every movie. <laughs> uh, um, this I was trying VHS to give us an out. Why do you have to fucking throw us under the bus? This is VHS cult, though, and I am Kyle. Oh, yeah, we do that. I'm Sean, and then we're doing Friday the 13th Part 2. It's VHSCult.com. Friday. What's the Twitch address? Twitch.com slash VHSCult or maybe Adventure Productions. Go to VHSCult.com. There's a link there. There you go. VHSCult.com. I'll tweet it out too. So. Uh, Dirty Dancing premiered at the 1987 Cannes Film Festival on May 12th, 1987. Con. And then it was released for the uh, general audience, the plebs as they're known, on August 21st, 1987. 
Guess how many dollars it should uh, one or, or not one? Uh, a, a billion. I'm probably with inflation, uh, 214 million. God damn. That was a lot. I, of like, yeah, as we said right? last week, I just remember watching it 15 times with my, when it came out on VHS. Oh, yeah. It was also like the, the hottest VHS seller of all time or something like that, too. It sold so many copies of VHS. I can't help having the time of my life. And I'm kind of sick of this fucking song. I don't like it. The song has like the that's like shitty like bummer 80s vocal melody it like hurts me can't stand that song just play more of the hits played still the night (laughs) more otis redding yeah man i don't play soul music i don't want to hear this fucking 80s garbage 80s was the worst time for music unless it was like fucking you know new order there's tons of other 80s artists i like i just mean like the pop music in the 80s is trash uh oh yeah here you go i have this fact here i should have read further it was the first film to sell more than a million copies on home video so um, that's a lot that's back when home video is probably like what 80 bucks a pop were they 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 were were really expensive when they first started releasing home videos for sale in 87 i can't remember if that if they started to come down or not i bet it'd be like 20 to 30 dollars in 87 that's still dressing for inflation yeah about 70 bucks (laughs) a lot of money and then, yeah, the stupid-ass soundtrack um, created... Uh, it generated two multi-platinum albums and multiple singles, including uh, Time of My Life, which won both the Golden Globe and the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Hmm. And a Grammy for Best Duet. The song's, like, not yeah. good. No. What's the deal? You know. What was going on in the 80s? Everyone was just too okay. hopped up on cocaine and fucking <laughs> sucking Reagan dick or some shit. Everyone was all about. I feel like the cocaine explains the Reagan dick. The the, the more we watch '80s movies, the more I'm like, I I really understand why all the punk bands were so angry in the '80s. (laughs) I guess it's the same reason I'm so angry all the time now. Is nothing in the mainstream culture seems to reflect reality, (laughs) and it's all garbage for babies, shit for dickheads. It's all shit for dickheads. It's all space shows based on Legos or whatever. Greta said. Yeah, it's Lego nerd shit. Joe Rogan said video games were a waste of time, so he lost millions of his followers. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Rogan's full of shit. I don't trust that guy on goddamn thing. Nah, he doesn't ever know what he's talking about. Yeah. I do, though. You do. This VHS cult does. Well, I guess the, the, we talked about before, there's like no ab- ab- like absolute truth, right? universe just kind of does what it does aside from math most things are just kind of inventions of man and so like morality good and evil those just are taboos that man came up with but some of them seem to be like they they definitely fall in favor of being a better idea than a lot of other stuff you know what i mean like probably shouldn't just kill people for no reason that doesn't seem useful for the species yeah generally you shouldn't just fuck other group people in general for you know i mean as long as we're talking about morality we'll we'll just talk about dirty dancing's morality here yeah (laughs) it's uh the fucking these rich people are real fucking wieners aren't they (laughs) even her dad (laughs) is supposed to be heroic her dad is like he's not that bad white man 1963 he does pretty good for himself i guess yeah i when i'm wrong i admit it that's (laughs) fucking actually really big of you (laughs) not only that as soon as he found out robbie was the one that did he's like give me that fucking money back you piece of shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
It did kind of feel like the real reason he was mad at Johnny is because he felt like he he knocked up he was his girlfriend his girls, and then yeah. he was bouncing around to his daughter. Now he's like, "Well, fuck you, piece of shit, Detective Briscoe yeah, here." I mean, he maybe should have asked more questions or something instead of jumping to conclusions. Nah, he doesn't need to do that. He's a doctor. He knows. What's <laughs> yeah, for the uh, for the female lead of Francis Baby Houseman, Bergstein chose. Uh, the woman who wrote it, wrote it, she specifically chose 26 year old Jennifer Gray. Who it's is, like, you know, what else I saw? Uh, the hunt, uh, what, 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 Red October, what is it? Red Dawn, Red Dawn. <laughs> He's yeah. like, I need, I need that Swayze Jennifer Gray action. I need to team him up again. Jennifer Gray is actually, in fact, the daughter of the Oscar winning actor and dancer Joel Gray, Joel Gray, Joel Gray. Uh, Jennifer Grey, she, basically, she kind of like conquered the '80s by appearing in this movie, right? She's uh, she's, she's also on Ferris Bueller. Um, yeah, and she famously was dating uh, what's her uh, what's her what's his name? Uh, Matthew Broderick. Uh, Matthew Broderick when he killed yeah. two people in a car that's crash. In Ireland. That's what yeah. that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I was going for, Kyle. Thank you. We're yep. rescuing me. So, she- so it makes it sound like I'm brilliant. <laughs> so she was also in Red Dawn with Patrick Swayze. She's in Ferris Bueller. She was part of the Brat Pack or whatever the fuck that was in the eighties. Basically, just oh, a yeah. teen actor at the time. I was like, "You're in the Brat Pack, huh?" And it's like, no. They also had to be in the Outsiders. They were just like, "No, we all just do cocaine and kiss each other. That's it." Especially Charlie Sheen and Patrick Swayze. Wow. Uh, mm. She began her career as a dancer in a Dr Pepper TV commercial. Me too. Just like Michael Jackson. No, that's Pepsi where he got set on fire, huh? Yep. Uh, so she got a Golden Globe uh, nomination for uh, Best Actress for Dirty Dancing. So was, she's probably like psyched about that, as you would be, I guess. Oh, man, it seems like such a weird movie to give Best Actress to, but I don't know, maybe. It was just like a, a big hit for the year, so, you know. I mean, they did uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Johnny Cash did get nominated for that, so. Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash, that's what I was talking <laughs> about. Johnny Depp. <laughs> Fucking Johnny Cash back from the dead. Give me more. <laughs> he was alive when the first Pirates of the Caribbean came out, wasn't he? Oh no, so. I think he died. died but yeah, he died, died for that in the early 2000s. Um, her father, you'll find this very exciting fact to be very exciting. Her father, Yoel Gray, sang "Razzle Dazzle" from Chicago when he hosted the Muppet Show in 1976. Oh, hey, yeah, he's on the Muppet Show. I wish that uh, the Muppet Show was on Disney Plus, but it's not. Um, as we mentioned, she was in the car when Matthew Broderick killed two people in Ireland. She suffered whiplash, which caused damage to her vertebrae. Um, what's this car crash we're talking about? On August 5th, 1987, while driving a rented BMW in Enniskillen, Northern Ireland, Broderick crossed into the wrong lane and collided head-on with a Volvo. The driver, Anna Gallagher, 28, and her mother, Margaret Doherty, 63, were both killed instantly. And uh, the crash actually publicly revealed their relationship. It was secret until then. He's dating his sister. Um, obviously, Jennifer Grey, best well-known, known best for being Dirty Dancing, and my mom thinking she's not a good enough dancer to be in Dirty Dancing, but also because of her very powerful nose. I love a powerful nose. She no, she got rid of that. She chopped that bubble right off. She did. She ended up getting plastic surgery to fix her nose, which was a mistake. Um, in an interview later in her career, she said that having plastic surgery on her nose was the worst mistake she ever made. This was because she no longer was she was no longer recognizable as the girl from Dirty Dancing, just somebody who looked a bit like her. 
I mean, I would I would even argue even further than that is that her nose is perfectly fine before. She had a very interesting dynamic face. Yeah. And then she just kind of looks like a normal lady. Yeah, I mean, like her, she, she was pretty with the and the nose was no problem. Uh-huh, the nose is great. Uh, like, yeah, I uh, really like powerful noses on people. I love like when you know us had a powerful nose. nose. Neil had a real powerful nose in this too. Neil, <laughs> who's Neil? That little squirmy guy that was trying to get up on Jennifer Grey's business. Oh uh, man, he was so insignificant. He was like a little Ben Shapiro. <laughs> He was like off my radar as soon as he appeared. I was like, all right, I get yeah, the character. Yeah, yeah. Want to like, about, about COVID, guys. You know uh, that uh, it's just as bad as the flu? Fucking hate Ben Shapiro. Man, he like wiener. Man, he better hope I like never see him in the streets. Like, I'll straight up. I think I will just kill him if I see him. <laughs> I don't want to kill him, but punch him for sure. No, there's something like really primally that bothers me about him. You know, it's almost like, you know, there's that weird impulse where you see, like, a really cute kitten and you're like, you want to squish it because it's so cute. I usually I re- resist that. But yeah, I understand that. Sort yeah. of. It's more like I want to fucking eat well, Yeah, kid. but so for, me, for me, it's like Ben Shapiro is like this small little, like... That, I don't like you comparing kitten to Ben I'm, Shapiro. You know well, what I'm, I mean? Like, he's not cute. <laughs> I'm bringing bringing up the same primal impulse, but for his, in his case, it's like he's small. He's this like small little creature that I want to like destroy, not because he's cute, but like there's like some intense like hatred of it. Where like I see him and I just like want to kill him. I'm just uh, well. This has been VHS cult. We're now on some sort of FBI watch list. I think. Well, to protect fucking Ben Shapiro, maybe. Yes. Who do you th- fucking think's in charge right now? His friends, <laughs> people with similar beliefs. Oh well, I'm putting, I'm letting it known that your days are numbered, Ben Shapiro. If I run into you, I'm gonna crush you like a kitten. <laughs> feel bad for kittens. No, don't feel bad for kittens. I, I do feel bad for kittens. First, they they're beautiful, lovely creatures that shouldn't be squished, and they also shouldn't be compared to Ben Shapiro. Well, yeah, with kittens, they're so cute. It's that weird feeling you want to squish them. With Ben Shapiro, it's like he's like so revoltingly small and weak that I like need to exterminate him from Earth. It's been toxic masculinity with just <laughs> cool. Yeah, I mean it's it's deeply ingrained. I I try to work around it every day. I do my best, but like the I'm, the environment we grew up in definitely wasn't the best to avoid uh, toxic masculinity. Not like family, I mean, but just you well, know, well, not our father. Actually, not even family, sure. really. But. Well, no, well, yeah. yeah, I can. I was gonna point that out to you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, again, my father's not a, a person I can necessarily can. Uh, associate with toxic masculinity at all like uh, but uh, some of our uh extended family for sure yeah and then just the uh prevailing culture of the time we lived in and also the area of the world we lived in it's like uh you know sometimes fucking violence solves problems doesn't it <laughs> i've never learned that sometimes i mean if it's the last resort Sometimes no, that's no, was joking. Like I mean, I don't, oh. even if you look at the history, that's primal. Yeah. That's a really I don't know. I um, wish it didn't. But sometimes it solves problems, but yeah. sometimes it also causes more problems. But then at the same time, how do you like how do you different? You know, it's a real complicated mess. It's a real tangled web we weave. Yeah. Well, just to tell you, there's no absolute truth, so there's no absolute justice. Sometimes you just got squished Ben Shapiro. Oh, we talked about Jennifer Grey. She was beautiful. She does do an amazing job in the movie. If she wasn't in the movie, I don't think I would care very much about it, except for Patrick Swayze. Swayze's pretty cool in the movie, huh? Oh, Swayze, man. (laughs) Patrick Swayze's pretty cool. 
we won't talk about him too much because we're going to see him like another five or six times on VHS call. <laughs> Pain don't hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but apparently his mother owned a dance school in Houston, which is uh, he was also a student at. So that's where he learned to dance. And um, that's why he's in this movie. The producers were like super thrilled about Patrick Swayze because they're like, oh man, he can fucking dance and act. That's going to be crazy. <laughs> Unfortunately, can he sing? I think he can too. He does sing on the he soundtrack. Does, actually, one of the sound. I was gonna say sing the soundtrack. Yeah. He's a, he's a triple threat. Unfortunately, though, he had a knee injury on one of the other movies, so his um like casting call resume or whatever the fuck they call it said no dancing. But after Swayze read the script, he was like, "Whatever, fuck it, I'm gonna do it anyways." And That's once he was once he was hired, though, they had to change Johnny's heritage in the script from Italian to Irish, because as we all know. Patrick Swayze could never pass for an Italian man. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and um, him being Irish doesn't ever really factor into it. I guess it does to an extent because it's the 60s. He's lower class and probably Catholic, so he is kind of an outsider. I guess it yeah, does they could have done that with Irish, too. Or not with Italian, too. Yeah. I I said that. Yeah. They could have done it with the same nationality they ended up with, too. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so they decided to do that. But then his name is Johnny Castle, which uh, Castle's not an Irish name. <laughs> no, not really. It's kind of an indescript yeah. English. I would assume English, like people that were people that were Castellian, the people that worked at castles but didn't um, own them. Like maybe that's how they got their surname. I don't know if castles even like a real. The only other castle I've heard of is Frank Castle, the Punisher. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> He's made up. Cops um, love him though. Yeah. Which is weird because Punisher would kill cops. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Weird. Cops don't read. Comic books or anything. So. <laughs> they, oh, skull look cool. Look at cool skull. Oh, he got he he do a shoot. He yeah. do a shoot with a skull. <laughs> he get gun. He kill criminal with a gun. Uh, Patrick Swayze had to convince Jennifer Grey to be in the film because uh, they hated each other while they filmed Red Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> they actually kind of still didn't get along even on this movie. Way to convince her, Swayze. That's cute. Check this out. Patrick Swayze at the time of filming was 34 years old. He looks it. <clears throat> he does look pretty old, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume he's supposed to be in his early 20s, but also at the same time, it's like uh, every year I close out the season of The Last Dance. So if you're young, how many seasons have you worked there? <laughs> of the last, <laughs> these last 15 years, I've been closing. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm, actually, I'm actually 45. I meant to tell you this earlier. <laughs> uh, how old are you? 17. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, damn it. Uh, he even wore a girdle to look thinner, which is weird because the scenes where he's got his shirt off, um, he's in pretty good shape. Yeah, I don't think he's maybe a second in it. Well, I was thinking um, there's like that narrow narrowness that you only really have as a man when you're a teenager. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't yeah. been under like 200 pounds since I was like 19. You know what I mean? So like oh, yeah, as good as like seventeen for me. Yeah, like as as good as shape as he's in, he'll never be able to. You like he'll you can never like get your waist or your stomach to be as small as it was when you were basically a little boy, right? Uh, yeah, as evidenced by uh, a little Pixar movie I'd call The Incredibles. I mean, he looked like um, um Hulk Hogan even in his youth, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Though, like, but when he even when he got in shape when he was an old man, like he still had like he's still like an old man, but in shape. Well, it's uh, the old man body. Men start to store fat in their stomach, right? In between their organs. And it's like really hard to get rid of that. So even if it's just a little bit, like in Patrick Swayze's case, there's no way he's getting his 
his like waist down to how it was when he was supposedly. Well, I have a time. I have a trick to do it because I've been watching a little show called Alone recently. What's Alone? That's the one where they just drop you off in the middle of nowhere and it's a competition. There's like ten people. Oh and- yeah, my ex said she was watching that, and I'm the, I was thinking like. The worst part of it would be like, what if you're in Bigfoot country? <laughs> well, the one I, I just watched in the most recent season, which was in like northern Canada, like 40 miles below the Arctic Circle. That's probably uh, so that everybody's like freezing to death. Uh, that's pretty. I think it's Bigfoot season or Bigfoot country out there. So, yeah, it sounds like Bigfoot country. I, you know what? Or at least abominable smooth man. I'd probably rather be in the cold environment than like having them drop me in like a tropical environment. Or something. Oh no, 100. percent I would not want to want to be in a cold environment. No. No, but uh, like I can't be in the sun for very long, though. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. There's a there's a there's obviously an in between there. Yeah, the uh, cold is is still way. I'd still rather be dropped in a warm environment. Like you know what I mean? Like I like the beach. I can fish. Um, I, I can make fish traps and all kinds of shit. But I don't want to deal with the cold like they're fucking deal with. And there's no food. Everybody's thirty pounds a month. Yeah, you're right. I guess that is more intense. I guess yeah, I would be fine just walking around with the sunburn and still just be able to fish and shit. Or just hang out. Like, yeah, I would just hang out in my hut most of the day. Rather than like having to sleep all day because I'm like too cold to move. That fucking suck. And yeah, there would be nothing to eat because everything else is fucking cold too. Um yeah I guess that would be a good way to lose your uh belly fat too, right? Is just starve yourself. Start yourself for um, a few months. Uh, it's uh, um, the mechanist, isn't that how? Uh, what's his oh, face? The machinist. Yeah. yeah, he was just eating like one can of tuna and some raisins a day, <laughs> like a half an apple, a coffee. Yeah. yeah, he looked fucking gross in that movie, though. Can't I thought he was that belly fat. Can't stand to watch that movie because of how he looks. It bothers me so much. Well, and then he sure. got he got real big for Batman. He got too big. They're like, man, you're too small. Uh, speaking of physical fitness, um, a lot of people assumed that Patrick Swayze was at the peak of physical fitness, and he was a fanatic because he was so good at dancing. And he was in such good shape. But in reality, he was smoking like 60 cigarettes a day and was an alcoholic at the time. <laughs> badass. Like man. Badass. Yeah, that's fucking badass Patrick Swayze. It did eventually catch up to him, and he got pancreatic cancer probably from being an alcoholic most of his life and smoking cigarettes. But you know what? He fucking looked good and dirty dancing, so he's probably all right with that. He was like, I guess that's the important thing, Kyle. You know, you really know. (laughs) (laughs) Right? On his deathbed, he's like, you know what? I was in dirty dancing. I was a fucking stud in the 80s. I don't even give a fuck. (laughs) Let me get some whiskey and another cigarette. Let's do this shit. Coming for you, guys. Get Keanu on the phone. I want to bitch talk him a little bit. (laughs) Oh, did you see the trailer for the new um, Bill and Ted? No, I haven't. I got. Well, I saw the poster. Me and the kids are gonna watch one, uh, the original, the original two at some point. I don't know when it's supposed to come out. If it ever will come out, I'm sure it's gonna. Be uh, it's September 1st, and it's coming out on digital. Why aren't you yeah. paying attention? I don't know. I, I'm glad. Fucking, I'm so excited that the movie industry is basically gonna die from this. It's gonna be so interesting well, to see what happens. Is gonna die. We'll see what the movie. So is. interesting to see what happens. It's fucking gonna be cool. I think we're gonna. I really some- hope I never see a, another Avatar movie again. I'll tell oh, you that. Man, he is absolutely that. He's fucking doing like some tax crimes or some shit. Like that's what it is. I'm convinced that he's. It's like <laughs> he's trying to fund some trip to the moon or some yeah, shit. Yeah, he's. It's like a money laundering scheme because they do that all the time with big budget movies, right? Where they. <laughs> 
That's, uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure if you look at the budget, Dirty Dancing has technically not made money, even though it, it was what made for like $5 million and made $240 million. I, yeah, I hate they can Hollywood say they, they made it at a loss so that they get... Somehow they always sell, they like sell pieces, you know, like, yeah. oh, we paid our, this advertising company. And then you look into it and like, oh, you own this advertising company. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, I'm convinced that's what, that's what um fucking... James Cameron is doing because does anyone really want to see any more avatars? There's people out there. Who who are these people? I've never met them in real life. I've never been an avatar fanatic, but they're they're out there. They gotta be. Shoo! I want to find out what happens to Jake Sully. Man, I don't know about that. So zoom zoom. Yeah, but I'm glad uh, the theater industry is gonna die. I I have. I have a really good feeling that we're going to be able to get one of our um, screenplays bought in the next couple of years. <laughs> well, we really should start working on it then. Um, I, the only other actor I have on here that I cared about was Jerry Orbach, who plays Baby's Dad. And I just put it in. No, what about Kelly Bishop? You don't care about her? Nah, I, I just put him in here because he's from Merge. She wrote in Law and Order. He's a Law and Order man. Detective Briscoe? Yeah. And it's cool. Thank you for doing those two uh, TV detective shows. Uh, I remember <laughs> watching when I stayed home school from school. <laughs> I don't know dun, why, dun. but Murder Shore always reminded me of uh, Agatha Christie. That's kind of what it was, really, right? Instead yeah, of I, mean, Poirot, like, I guess it's Mrs. Poirot. More than Poirot. But Poirot. I don't know if that's fair. I don't know. I guess I just made the connection that she was a crime writer who solved crimes, so the female crime writer. <laughs> Agatha Christie <laughs> <laughs> or Danielle Steele did she write crime novels or is it more like romance shit it's crime shit I don't, I've never watched read a Danielle Steele novel but I believe it's crime shit ask mom she's read a bunch yeah crime shit crime shit isn't our That's- parents a uh, wedding song in Dirty Dancing is it the fucking theme from no it's oh. Otis Re- the Otis Redding song Oh, yeah, because this movie came out after they got married. Duh. Oh, find out for next week's episode. <laughs> Our parents got married way before this movie came out. Yeah, they got married in 1980. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, because they're coming up on four, 50, 40, 50 years? I think it's 40, 40, 40, 40 years. this year. Yeah, math, math. <laughs> the math checks out. 40 years. What's 40? Silver? Wood? No, they got way past wood at 40. Pine cones? <laughs> I think it's 10. Uh, speaking of 1980, though, Eleanor, excuse all the yawning. I was like falling asleep before we recorded this. I was like, hmm, it's looking long about nap time. Uh, 1980, though, Eleanor Bergstein wrote a screenplay for the Michael Douglas film, It's My Turn. However, the producers cut out an erotic dancing scene from the script prompting her to conceive a new story that took inspiration from her youth dance competitions. And thus, Dirty Dancing was born. Uh, she gave the script to other studios, but was repeatedly rejected until she brought it to Vestron Pictures. Oh, old Vestron. Old Voltron. <laughs> Voltron. Voltron Pictures. <laughs> Defenders of the Universe. For choreography, choreographer, Bergstein chose Kenny Ortega, who had been trained by Gene Kelly. Kenny Ortega is a good name. It's a solid name. Gene Kelly's a pretty good name, too, actually. Gene Kelly. Both, like, very American while not being American (laughs) names. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> like they seem like they would be the names of very American action stars, but were in fact like the names of um, children of immigrants in the United States. Anyhow, uh, director Ardolino was adamant that they choose dancers such as Swayze, who could also act, because he specifically didn't want to use the shitty stand-in method that had been used with Flashdance! Flashdance! Well, you can see uh, mustachios in certain scenes. I'm a lady. <laughs> in Flashdance? Yeah, you didn't know that. They, uh, they, the, one of the stand-ins was a dude, and he had his, you can see a mustache on when it's supposed to be a... Oh, I didn't uh, know. His- What's-her-face, Kelly... Kelly Kapowski. No, that's not right. But it's oh. Kelly's. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize it was that bad. Shout out to Kelly Kapowski, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Yeah, I remember when she was on 90210. Yep, I sure do. Mm-hmm. You're looking even better than the Saved by the Belt days. How's she uh, do it? just gets used age like a fine wine. Yep, just like Rose McGowan. I was going to say Jennifer Tilly, but fair enough. Jennifer like- Tilly's a good one, too. Um, Jennifer Lopez. I don't know if I've seen her. I saw her at the Super Bowl with Shakira and I was like, yep, that looks pretty good. (laughs) Looks pretty good to me. Uh, Filming started for Dirty Dancing in September 1986 and lasted just 43 days. Why did they wait till September? That's weird. Uh, It's going to be cheaper if we do it in the fall when the resorts close down and uh, we want to pay a lot of money. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, they did still have to battle bad weather, including outside temperatures of 105 degrees, which is what we would call a cooling trend in Arizona right now. <laughs> 100% we're going through a cooling trend right now, and it's 106. <laughs> With the camera and lighting equipment needed for filming, though, the temperature inside could be as high as 120 degrees, which is what we call a pretty hot day in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a bad day. Yeah. Those, we only get like a handful of those every year. Just a lot of 115s, a lot of 116s. According to our choreographer, Kenny Ortega, 10 people passed out within 25 minutes of shooting one day because they're like, ah, oh, it's too hot. Presumably, it's also because they're uh, actors and shit who were getting to stay at a summer camp, like filming movies, so you know they're getting fucked up every night. Well, you just went over Swayze, uh, his 60 cigarette a day habit with uh, his alcoholism. Mm-hmm. That's Great right. combination when it's 120 degrees. Well, you coming into work at 120 degrees and you're dehydrated and hungover, and then you're just like, ah, and they wake you up and they're like, Patrick, Patrick. And he goes, sorry for party rocking. <laughs> He's like, can we film the scenes in the lake, please, while I do the lifts? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, Patrick Swayze did actually require a hospital visit while filming because he insisted on Exhaustion. doing No, nah, he insisted on doing his own stunts and, uh, he repeatedly fell off the log during the balancing scene <laughs> and he hurt his knee. His, his yeah. knee was already fucked up. They had to drain fluid from his knee. That's always there. Yeah. He just had too much of it. <laughs> like, damn, you got a lot of fluid in there. That's where I store my booze. <laughs> you got gout from drinking so much. <laughs> oh, that's rich people's disease. I can't have that in this movie. <laughs> I'm supposed to be a poor. I'm one of the poorest. What do you call them? Boars? People that don't have money? You know, uh, plebeians. Uh, yeah, then the additional delays caused the shooting schedule to get pushed all the way back into the, the, the depths of autumn. And so they had to spray paint the leaves and shit, so it's still green. <laughs> and then when they did uh, do the famous swimming scenes, it was in, like, the end of October. So the water was, like, 40 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> 
They didn't seem that cold or anything, but it's probably because they were having You couldn't so tell by anybody's nipples or anything, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably because they were having a hot, hot time. They were having the time of their life, some might say. And then it's supposedly shooting wrapped at the end of October, and it says it was on time and on budget, which conflicts with the other report I have where it says the shooting schedule was delayed until autumn. So sounds like bullshit, or it sounds like maybe more of the fudge in the books, huh, Hollywood? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. on you. Unfortunately, though, it turns out no one really liked the rough cut, the original edit that was put together, and the executives were convinced the film was going to be a flop. <laughs> Jennifer Grey dies at the end. Yeah, they're, everyone thought it was going to be bad. And then when they did the first test screenings, uh, 39% of people who viewed the, viewed the film did not realize abortion was the subplot of the film. <laughs> what? Yeah. They, uh, yeah. I guess that's America for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I shouldn't even harp on America. That's people for you. Just yeah. real 40% of us are real dumbs. That was based off of the original rough cut, though, so I'm guessing maybe some of the editing made it more obvious. Because watching it, it's like clearly obvious it's about abortion. <laughs> yeah, what else could they be talking about? I don't know. Uh, marketers of the clear cell acne product like the film and saw it as a vehicle to reach a teen target audience. So <laughs> can you imagine just clear cell products being everywhere in the movie? <laughs> in the 60s? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I gotta go have an abortion, but first let me let me clear up my face because it's clear cell. I'm holding to the camera. Uh, unfortunately, though, when Clear Cell learned about the um, abortion subplot, uh, they asked for the plot to be cut, and Bergstein refused. So Clear Cell dropped out. So you know that's the the real um, virtuosity of corporations in the United States. Remember <laughs> when they were all like Black Lives Matter and Happy Pride Month and stuff? Yeah. Keep that in mind all the time. <laughs> so this meant, though, that Vestron had to promote the film themselves. Vestron, some company I've never heard of. They this, yeah. Vestron, do you remember them producing or distributing any other movie from the 80s? You remember all those Vestron hits from 1987 onward? Well, in the movie, hits. When the movie starts and the Vestron logo comes on screen, I was like, I've never seen that man in my life. <laughs> Uh, so they, since they had to promote it themselves and they were convinced the movie was going to be a flop, the uh, executives had planned to release the film in theaters for about a weekend and then drop that baby to home video. <laughs> Mistake. But, uh, fucking, it turned out to be a huge success. So I guess it worked out in the end. And they were expecting, like, um, you know, just kids to show up for that shit. But it turns out... Uh, the, the, what Greta, Greta Thunberg mentioned about uh, nerds loving Star Wars Legos and shit, that was a problem in the 80s too, where adults showed up because they were like, I remember when I used to be happy. <laughs> remember when you used to be able to go to a lake resort for, uh, for uh, six weeks with your family? I don't, but it seems like it'd be fun. It does kind of seem like it'd be like one of those things that's like really hokey, but also kind of fun. Well, it's just like um, it's vacation, so like your parents are chilling out. It looks like they're getting drunk every night, which means you're gonna have a little bit more freedom than you normally do. You get to hang out with like kids you wouldn't normally get to hang out with and shit. You know what I mean? You could like you could go to like fucking summer in the Catskills and be a whole new person. You know what I mean? I've seen many of these movies before. Yes. Yeah. So I get it. It'd be fun. 
I don't know. She the baby gets thrust into like some serious life problems real quick on her summer vacation. <laughs> like shit. Yeah, that she's she, only there for like a night before she's yeah. like, oh, I gotta pay for an abortion. <laughs> shit that she's like not ready to cope with. Honestly, you know what I mean. How Swayze gives her a little too much shit, in my opinion. When when he, she's only known these people for like a day and a half, and yeah. she's like, yeah, I asked my dad to pay for an abortion, <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> Oh, real brave of you. She's like, well, I guess. I don't, I don't, not that amazing. I don't know a reward or anything, but I mean, <laughs> I just met you guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe not being assholes while I'm asking for. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is just um, the fairy tale story of a Hollywood movie, right? Like, this shit wouldn't be real. The actual baby wouldn't have interacted with the fucking. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not true, Kyle, because we guys we knew this is autobiographical. Eleanor Rigby, Big Rigby, I believe was what her name was. Uh, she said that this is based on her interaction with Frank Castle when she was a kid. Nope, <laughs> you misinterpreted that completely. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's exactly what I <laughs> No, she had never seen a poor person in her life. If you recall, Baby is based on her, and then the only aspect of uh, Johnny Castle is based on her is that. Um, she could also do a dirty dance. <laughs> <laughs> She's just a clout chasing ass fucking stolen valor, valor old lady. It's the stolen valor of the poor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's no people more valorous than the working class. As far as I know. I don't know anyone who's not like of the working class, to be honest, like in my daily life. So I don't know what other people are like. Really. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? I was thinking about while I was watching this movie where... um. Oh, no, because I've worked in a job where I've definitely met some people that were oh, like, yeah. I'm really into college football. Yeah. Well, I was while I was watching this movie, there's the start classified between the people working there and the rich people. And I was thinking I've never even been in, like, that situation, even in employment. Like, usually every job I've had, it's been me and other, like, poor people. <clears throat> so I was like, you know what? I've really never been around people that weren't of the same class as me. I wonder what that would actually be like. I wonder if I could trick them. I feel like I could trick them. That's like when oh. I see when I see pictures of like the other like famous like online podcasters and stuff. I'm like, man, you know how easy I look at them and it's like I could easily sell them overpriced drugs. <laughs> uh, I'm here to tell you, Kyle, that um, yeah, you absolutely can. I've I've, I've done it. I did it for like uh, like eight years. <laughs> can I trick them? I think I could trick them. Yeah, they just look like marks, you know what I mean? Like when you see pictures of the Chopper Trap House guys, like look at those fucking marks. <laughs> fucking marks. Grifting the grifters. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm in the camp that they're grifters or anything like that. I just think they're fucking dorks. If they weren't making this kind of money from it, I don't know if they would continue to do it. They might continue to do it. I just, uh, they don't do very much in general anyways. They just make money off telling jokes, which is fine. That's kind of all I hope to do. But, um, I mean, they're not like stalwart figures of the working class or anything. And then mostly, yeah, like they fucking, they're like dorks. You know what I mean? Like I, I see them and I want to bully them. <laughs> you can't be a bully. That's be no bullying. <laughs> it's in grains. I've never actually been much of a bully, to be honest, but I like fucking with people, you know what I mean? And they look like they'd be easy to fuck with. Speaking of which, Robert Evert gave this movie a thumbs down due to its idiot plot. <laughs> a tired and relentlessly predictable story of love between kids from different backgrounds. Which, I mean, I, I mean, guess when he's right, he's right, but... It's just Romeo and Juliet, I guess, right? No. 
Yeah, that's what all these stupid movies are. There's no kill to bullet king of cats in this shit. Now that's true. They don't have any interesting side characters. Good point. But uh, you know, West Side Story. Um, that was a movie with interesting side characters. Tromeo and Juliet. <laughs> Ditto. Um, Pride and Prejudice. They're all the same. It's all the same <laughs> shit. The other ones. Um, so obviously, Romeo and Juliet isn't uh, class separation. It's just like family rivalry. What do they, what do they call it? Shit in the South. They're feuding. Family feud. Feuding families. <laughs> Fussing and a feud. Yeah. And then um, West Side Story is not class either. It's just the two gangs, uh, two ethnic gangs, right? It's the Correct. Puerto Ricans and the Italians, Irish, Italians. And then and the um, whites. Tromeo and Juliet is the punks and the preps, obviously. And then you get uh, your outsiders, right? That's not uh, outsiders is the the Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that it's not Romeo and Juliet. No, but that one's the classic. That one's the class story, right? Because right. the, the 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 the, the socials are the wealthy kids, and the greasers are poor folks, as you'd call them, white trash, as they say in the movie. And then Emilio Emil Estevez says to that one kid uh, when he sees his pants, he's like, "Oh, you waiting on a flood." um time magazine though was a little bit more lukewarm towards dirty dancing saying if the ending of eleanor bergstein's script is too neat and inspirational the rough energy of the film's song and dance does carry one along past the whispered doubts of better judgment um which i I think that's a fair assessment of the film it's not bad it is just kind of dumb but it's uh, also just like really simple and floaty and like there's like dancing and like some cool songs and the characters are easy to understand so it's only an hour and a half you know what i mean it just kind of breezes by so you're like well that's pretty dumb but you're like it was also kind of entertaining that was fine now let's watch it 20 more times on vhs <laughs> here's the thing um i have what this n- note here where it says it's God? never explicitly stated but Penny needs baby's money for an illegal abortion. Is it I not? Guess that's true. Explicitly, it's not explicitly stated? stated. No, wait. No, I don't think you actually ever use the word abortion. Yeah, they? but it's like they don't ever use the word abortion. But it's like, what else would it be? Man, I got that shit as a kid. Can I, how, it can't be that hard to get. Our mom was like really into abortion rights so when we were kids. Yeah, I mean, like was actively concerned with abortion rights so maybe it was just we knew about it but i watching it still it's like what else would they be talking about maybe well a lot of people probably don't know that abortions were illegal in the 60s oh yeah there's probably people listen abortions were um legal let's, until, talk, Ro- let's talk roe v wade <laughs> there yeah they were illegal until roe v wade decision in uh 73 Right? And yes, depending on where you live right now, it may be almost impossible to get an abortion anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, they don't ever be like, all right, let's go get that abortion, Penny. But it's how. what else would it be? You know what I mean? It's like, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, like, it involves Robbie. <laughs> the only other thing it could be is, like, she's got, she got some sort of horrible STD from Robbie. I get, of, yeah, some sort I of guess. dastardly disease that well, the rich carry the rich carry this poison from his. You know, um, in the boys, the, the comic book, not the Amazon show. I've but, read like I started reading. I read the first two volumes of the boys and, and to read to watch the show, but then I read that the show follows a different. Yeah, 
Then, Story then, so like, I felt stupid because the fucking comics are not that good. I like the comics more than the show so far because the com- I, I like the comics because they're so weird and like grimy. But um, in the comic books, um, Billy Butcher's wife is uh, raped by Homelander. Correct. And then um, one night, uh, Billy Butcher wakes up and his wife's been disemboweled because. Well, um, no, uh, it's not disemboweled, right? He she's dead, and it's like the baby, like uh, a baby is torn out of her belly. <clears throat> I mean, you ruined how I was setting up the story. But oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Finish your story. He wakes up and he finds his wife disemboweled and he's like, what the fuck? And then, yeah, there's a little a homelander fetus flying around with laser eyes that he has to uh, kill because of, she was carrying um homelander monster baby, right? So uh, I, I was going to equate that. Like, it's basically like, so her being raped by a homelander is the same thing as getting a rich guy disease. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that all tracks. Yeah, as far as, as I know, uh, if you sleep with a rich person, you're gonna end up with some sort of crazy disease mm-hmm. in your belly. That's right. Um, speaking of not being very tactful about uh, women's issues, <laughs> uh, the abortion rights advocates have called the film the gold standard for cinematic portrayals of abortion. Which uh, author Yanis Zamakis Z- Zamakis described as offering. Zemakis? Some, I don't have in front of me. Awesome, you're correct. It's a Greek name. T Z I O U M A K I S. Zamakis. Oh, Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Zamakis. Uh, described as offering a compassionate depiction of abortion in which the woman seeking abortion was not demonized with the primary concern, with the primary concerns being her health and preserving her capacity to bear children at a future time, rather than the ethical dilemma that might or might not inform her decision. A portrayal that is not necessarily available in current films. Yeah, that's, um, that's true. Actually, actually true. is a really, really yeah. healthy bird, uh, child of abortion. Yeah, I do like the way they treat in the film where it is just kind of like uh, she needs to have an abortion. How can we help her get an abortion and not, uh, it, yeah, they're concerned more with her well being than, well, I don't know about that, Penny. I read in the Bible that uh, you can't kill babies or something. Whatever the Bible says. I don't think the Bible probably doesn't even say shit like that. What do the fucking weird Christian people say all the time? I'm probably pretty sure they talk about the Bible, but you know, there's a lot of shit in the Bible. Um, well, you can't mix, you can't mix, well, fabric. a whole lot of shit. You can't mix fabrics in the Bible, so no polyester blend for you, you Christian. Oh, I, I never had a polyester blend in my life. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's even a cliche, um, derogatory statement about the Christian. Everyone knows the polyester blend joke. What are some of the other good ones? No shellfish, right? No, wait, is it all constantly no shellfish? Yeah, I, I don't know. You're not supposed to eat shellfish. I don't know. Which I mean was probably like a hot tip back in the day when like you couldn't trust like the, fr- the freshness of shellfish, right? But uh, you know, there's a lot of practical shit in the Bible that doesn't matter anymore. Is my point? I guess my point really is that the, there are no gods, and it doesn't matter. We should blaspheme all we want. Um, <laughs> I vote for your own Greyjoy to sit the uh, sea stone chair. <laughs> 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 I'm the one who killed Jamie Lannister. <laughs> well, I'm talking about in the books. No, I'm talking about dude, no one reads the books. It's a TV show you're on for life. And you know what? You're never going to see how you're on in the books ends up because you know what's going to happen? Well, Martin's going to die of fucking COVID. Ah, uh, shit. That's the end of 2020. Call here. Fuck. No, he doesn't ever go outside. Don't matter. COVID will find you. The only time he goes out is for fan conventions, and those are all been canceled. His pizza delivery man is going to give it to him. Go, go find his home. 
Cole's gonna find you. Uh, I also like um, Penny and Johnny's relationship where they're just like friends and stuff and like everyone has a hard time dealing with it. Everyone's immediate assumption is like, oh, they're banging and stuff, right? It's like, nah, they're just friends. Well, I mean, in in, um, uh, in like uh, the doctor man's defense, like he Johnny actually kind of admits or says that it's is his he's responsible for it. And well, he asks the doctor asks like uh, who's responsible kind of a leading for, question, but for the, who's responsible for this woman? Not who's responsible for impregnating this woman, et cetera, et cetera. And Johnny steps up because um, he takes yeah, care of yeah, but Johnny they mis- they completely miscommunicate with what the question is and what Johnny is actually admitting to. But um, I don't know. I think it's just cool to depict um, Johnny. No, no, that part like that have a like the obvious. I think at one point his cousin says they dated when they were kids, but like they yeah. just grew up. Yeah, yeah. They screw out of it, and then so they just be friends. It's good. I like to see that in movies. I've had plenty of friends that were just friends, and it's nice to see it in movies. You don't see it very often. Most of the time in movies, everyone's got to be in love or some shit. It's not how it goes in real life. That's for, for any of the weird incels listening, where you're like, oh, I'm trapped in the friend zone, blah blah blah. It's not that big a deal. Sometimes people just see your friends, and it's good to be friends, and you can help each other in different ways. You don't have to have sex. No, you gotta have put your penis in them. That's how it works. No, nah, you just just be friends. Nope. Put you just be friends with people. Oh yeah, you're right. It's if you're uh, if every female you know doesn't have sex with you, you're less than a man, right? Isn't that what it is? <laughs> Probably. I think that's what it is. Yeah, they seem to tie a lot of masculinity into being able to have sex with every woman they know. It's fucking weird. <clears throat> Anyhow, uh, the film drew adult audiences instead of just the expected teens, which uh, gave it, it then had a strong word of mouth, and the film was reviewing highly. So there it make- took place in the sixties <clears throat> when all these people in nineteen ninety seven were kids. They're like, I remember when I used to go up to the cat skills and get finger banged by the weight staff. <laughs> I remember when things were kinda okay back before JFK died and we were just a little bit worried about black people. <laughs> no, um white people in the United States have been really worried about black people for the entire existence of the United States. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, I don't mean in a positive way. I mean, worried about. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much all white people have been worried about for the entire United States. Is that, oh, black people might rise up. Oh, no, if we give them too many rights, they might rise up. That's all. White people just run around scared all the time of black people. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, and then also, uh, the people who saw the movie went to go back to see it multiple times. Hmm, real Titanic on our real, hands. Real huh? tight, yep, like a real Titanic situation. I remember Titanic came out when I was in sixth grade, and I remember like all the girls in my sixth grade class, like they were, it was basically a competition to see who could go see Titanic the most times in theaters. There was like one girl was up like fourteen times or some shit. <laughs> now all those fucking girls grew up and they're like, "What you saw Avengers? How many times?" Yeah, I mean it was cheaper to go to movies back then, though. I think I don't know. I didn't see Titanic in the theaters. Saw on VHS. Two VHSs. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, this movie so long it's can only be on two VHSs. Um, <laughs> that was like a time period in my life where, like I said, I was in sixth grade, so I didn't realize that uh, the same person who had made the Terminator movies and Aliens made Titanic. So I remember watching it and being like, "Oh man, this stupid girly movie that all the girls in sixth grade like. It probably won't be that good." And then watching it, and it's a good movie, and it's. Later on in your life, you find out, oh, James Cameron uh, knows how to make movies. Then he made Avatar, and was like, does he really know how to make movies? <laughs> <laughs> he wants to go to the bottom of the ocean again. 
You can't do that on your own dime. He probably could, right? I think he's filthy rich. Maybe he could, but does he want to? That's not how you stay filthy rich. Oh, that's a good point. That's uh do you see Elon Musk falling apart this week? <laughs> I saw he, he's uh, he's got a rose uh, icon on his Twitter feed. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that means he's a socialist. <laughs> yeah, he uh <laughs> I don't know, he just said some stupid shit as you were It's on. all he fucking does. When Elon Musk he just says stupid shit all the time. I just everyone's giving him such a hard time on Twitter and like you can tell he's like super upset about it. <laughs> oh, Jesus I think Christ. it's fucking fun. finally. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, he's still got his so many like vassals. He's got so many like nerds willing to defend him no matter what. But it's I just love that like <laughs> he gets online and he gets bullies. He deserves it. That's what the internet's for. Bully the people. You know, punch up. Yeah, <laughs> bully more people. No, that's not bullying. The bullying is when you belittle someone below you. Yeah. Elon Musk isn't below these people. No, that's true. I just mean like he, up. <laughs> he gets put he gets pushed around for like the be the little just, mac in your life. The piece of shit that he is. He just comes online and says some stupid shit and everyone's like, Shut up, stupid. Here's a picture of you with just Lane Maxwell. <laughs> <clears throat> Pronouns suck. You know, Grimes is not gonna be able to fix Elon Musk, but I think I can fix Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta rehabilitate that image. Mm-hmm. I can do it. I think she's lost. I'm be like Grimes. Let me show you what it's like to be poor. <laughs> she has no. Concept. It's fucking awful. What do you mean? <laughs> she'll love it. It'll, she'll she'll develop into like some new aesthetic because that's all she does is like you like <laughs> takes like little concepts she runs into and turns them into like um fucking pop aesthetic shit. You know what I mean? So she'll she'll reaesthetize the the poor and it'll be it'll, it'll be great. <laughs> She'll be music videos with smoking cigarettes um in front of like a broken down car and shit. There'll be kids playing basketball in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> no shoes on. Uh-huh. Hell yeah, man. That'll put that'll put us back on the map. Yeah, cause last time there was a real working class media movement it was probably the rise of gangster rap, right? But then it's then that all fell back into money shit again. I don't know what I mean. No, it's all about money. Money's not even that cool. I have to convince myself of that all the time, every day. Like money's not even that cool. I don't even care about money. I don't. Well, here's the thing. I don't care about money. It's not that cool. But I just want enough of it, so I don't have to fucking worry about it anymore. Tired of being stressed out, huh? Yeah. Fuck that no, shit. I just want to. I want to sit by a lake and listen to Otis Redding in my little cabin and <clears> dance by myself. Nah, you got to be stressed as part of true, genuine experience. The limit experience. Fucking, that's not a bullshit. Don't you feel like oh, you're, getting, you. you're getting stronger every day from stress that you can't even handle? <laughs> never know yes. what's never know what's around the corner. <laughs> exactly. That's that's how you yeah you, you stay sharp that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, I wonder how sustainable it is for this podcast to be like about class consciousness and movies. It seems like it's going to be pretty easy in the 80s because every movie in the 80s has something to do with uh, fucking Reagan shit, right? Nah, probably not. We're going to run into a brick wall pretty soon. Probably next week when we watch Ernest Goes to Camp. (laughs) (laughs) We watch Ernest Goes to Camp next week? Yeah. Oh, man, I love Ernest people. That's a class consciousness. (laughs) Ernest, that's a a real blue-collar comedian for you. (laughs) Jim Varney, Ernest P. Worrell. Started off in commercials in uh, Chicago, right? Nope. 
Um, he's from Kentucky, but it's he did it for some Tennessee, Nashville. And it started off in Nashville. There you go. Well, I we'll talk about it more next week. I'll do a little bit of earnest research research for the the listeners so they can learn about Mr. Jim Varney himself. Anyhow, with regards to Dirty Dancing, by November, it was achieving international fame in addition to the United States. So within seven months of release, it had brought in $63 million in the United States and um, $170 million worldwide. <clears throat> it also boosted attendance in dance classes across the United States. We are safe. Thank you, Dirty Dancing. <laughs> It will save my dance school where we also practice witchcraft. <laughs> yes. Uh, despite the film's huge monastery success, Vestron followed it up with a series of flops and ran out of money and uh, didn't make it out of the 80s. I got an idea, guys. <laughs> Dirty Dancing 2. What's Swayze up to? <laughs> so that's probably why you're Wait, not familiar with Vestron. Or were you talking about remaking this shit? <clears throat> well... First off, the film was re-released in 1997 solely due to a petition led by late-night talk show host Conan O'Brien. <laughs> I love Conan. In which he asked viewers to send letters calling for the film's re-release. When exhibitors finally agreed, O'Brien joked that he actually didn't like the movie all that much. <laughs> and then, in 2004, a prequel of the film was released entitled Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. Havana. Oh, that's what it was. Swayze was paid $5 million to appear in a cameo role as a dance teacher. Um, Havana Nights has terrible reviews. I don't think people liked it. Uh, August 2011, Lionsgate, which owns the film rights, announced their plan to remake the film. It was confirmed that the studio had hired the film's choreographer, Kenny Ortega, to direct, but it never happened. Oh, darn. However, in December of 2015, <gasps> ABC ordered a three-hour musical remake of Dirty Dancing, and it aired on May 24, 2017. And received overwhelmingly negative reviews from the <laughs> I don't remember that thing at all. <laughs> yeah. And here's the most important fact the, the, for about the Dirty Dancing film. Something that I wish, you know, I wish this could have been, could have been true. I wish th- this would have happened. It would have changed the entire landscape. It would have changed the world. Uh, Billy Zane was considered for the lead role, but he didn't dance well enough. <laughs> There's a surprise. That motherfucker seems <laughs> stiff as shit. <laughs> Damn it, Billy Zane. Can you imagine? Move your hips, Billy. <laughs> Billy Zane, dirty dancing. He could have been sex symbol the 80s needed. <laughs> God damn it, Zane. You had four, more than four joints. <laughs> Instead, they had to wait till the 90s when he was the Phantom. <laughs> damn it, Zane. If only you moved like you had eyelashes. You know what's interesting about Billy Zane? It's like everyone knows who Billy Zane is like around our age, I assume. Kind of as a joke, but kind of for real. But I can't really remember any good movies he was in aside from Tombstone. Titanic. Oh, yeah. But how, how did he get super famous? Super like duper famous. The Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> the, fan- the Phantom knows. He's wearing that purple shit. <laughs> purple shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dirty Dancing. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I guess I've, I've honestly seen this movie, like, I don't know how many times. But it's been a while since I've seen it. As an adult, I still just like what it, it's supposed to be the sixties. Yeah, I guess. Um, Patrick, you can tell by their leotards. Patrick Swayze's car looks like our grandpa's old car that sat in the driveway for years. So <laughs> that's from the fifties, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> and you can tell was, he, he's poor because he's got a car from the 50s. And he, he had no problem busting out that window because he locked his keys in there. It's really easy to pop the lock on those old cars. I don't know how he busted out the window. He's a crazy man. He does seem wild. Like, wow. Because he's just like, oh, you're tired of dancing? Let's go fucking into the woods. I'll murder Dance. you. <laughs> fucking murder your shit, baby. Nobody puts his baby in a corner. Hell yeah. That's badass. The line's like hella cliche and shit now, but I like it because he's like, hold on, let me spit some truth that you parents, you don't know or understand how powerful baby is. No one puts her in the corner. She's the star of the show. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> <clears throat> now dance awkwardly while my friends uh, saunter up to you. <laughs> Why is it? How does everyone know all the dance moves? It's because they've been practicing in their little hidey hole the entire I, summer. <clears throat> I love when um they like whip everyone there into like a sex frenzy and then they just dip out. <laughs> I like when uh, the owner's uh, wife reveals that she's secretly a lesbian. <laughs> I mean, she may not be a real lesbian. Like I said, they whipped everyone into a sex frenzy. Everyone's going oh, crazy right. in she that room. Her, her, her juices are flowing. Yeah, it happens. I mean, it's, sex isn't binary. And they got everyone worked into a frenzy and they dipped out. They're like, oh, man, let's get out of here before we see some old dicks, some hanging balls. <laughs> But it's too late. Everyone's frenzied up. It's like that Lonely Island music video with Julian Casablancas. <laughs> I think that one is the one it's about, right? Where it's yeah, old fuck song. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember how it goes. <clears throat> I had the time of my life with boiled goose. I remember that part. Yeah, I like Dirty Dancing. I think Patrick Swayze is cool. Um, He's just always wearing black. He's got a leather jacket. That's cool. That's classic cool. Classic cool guy stuff. Penny's he's also cool. like, uh, he's like a little, uh, it's like a little male prostitute. Yeah, yeah, call him gigolos. He's a sex worker. Sex work <laughs> is real work. He's a heroic man. Nah, I don't think. I mean, he doesn't seem like he wants to be involved in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems like he's kind of forced into it as part of his job. So I don't want to call him a heroic <clears throat> man, you know? Yeah, at the end of the day, he's a hero, though, because he says, you know, fuck it. It's time for me and baby to dance. Even though, like, you know, after the credits roll, his life's still going to kind of be shit, and she's definitely going to move on from him. Yeah, they never see each other after the summer. That's for yeah, sure. but, like, he, he at least he took a stand once in his life against the powers that be. Well, that's, most of, that's pretty much all most poor people can hope for. <laughs> this is one time you get to tell your boss to fuck off. I, what I like to do is get hired at a bunch of shitty jobs and tell my job boss to fuck off repeatedly. I was thinking one time I told one of my bosses I was going to cut his fucking heart out. And then um, the, the, uh, what happened is uh, they were going to fire me. And I was like, aha, surprise. I told him that because he was sexually harassing my friend. And here she is to tell you about it. And then he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she complained about it before and no one did anything. So I was like, I'll do something. <laughs> and then you know what I did I used violence to solve a problem <laughs> <laughs> you threat of violence <laughs> yeah threat of violence sometimes that's all it takes sometimes the threat of violence is violence Kyle that's what I've learned yeah but I mean don't threaten some my friends and then you won't have justice revisited upon you that's the whole thing is uh, The Last of Us 2 came out and everyone was like is revenge bad nah revenge isn't bad you just gotta do it right <laughs> I never played the rest of us too, so I don't know. I'm just gonna assume that revenge good. 
Mm-hmm. Look, I don't know that revenge is good or bad. I just know that in certain situations, I would partake in revenge. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I'm not like walking around here trying to act like I'm some god who's above everything. Nah, I'm a dirt person. I've said it before. I'll say it again. And sometimes if you fuck up, you know, I'm going to let you know about it. <laughs> That's all there is to it. That's just a part of life. I'm not perfect. I try my best. I'm not going to visit violence upon people that I find undeserving of it. Obviously, I'm not like the arbiter who's deserving of violence or not. But like, you kind of that said, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get a feel for it in real life. And Ben Shapiro, target number one, I guess. Whatever. Um, maybe next week we'll learn more about being nice for nice's sake from Ernest. That seems that's kind of one of his messages, right? He's like kind of a juvenilely positive and nice. Yep. So I seems to worked out for him. Up. Yeah, but um. What's next week? What I'm going to do now is I'm going to finally watch the third season of Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. I meant to watch that, too. <clears throat> I'm I not watched... going to, but I meant to. So here's the thing. Like every other tall, handsome, cool guy in a leather jacket you met outside of a dive bar at 6 in the morning, I like David Lynch. But I'm not like a super big fan of Twin Peaks. I've like watched the first, the original series like a couple times, but I'm not like hella into it like everyone else is. So when the third season came out, I was like, I'll wait till it's over and then I'll watch it all at once. And then I never did it. But I'm going to do it now. Yeah, I like David Lynch, though. I'm a Blue Velvet man myself. Blue Velvet. That's the best David Lynch movie, one of the best movies of all time. I watched that movie like 40 times. You know, I like David Lynch. David Lynch to me is like, I like John Waters more, obviously, because I like the trash, like, low art style of John Waters. But I feel like David Lynch explores the same sort of area of, uh, actual like duplicitous emptiness of American culture at large Dave Lynch is just a little bit weirder and spookier about it instead of in your face crass and um, camp camp yeah so there you go that's what I have to say about David Lynch and John Waters I love John Waters I love David Lynch do not like Ben Shapiro that's VHS code for it <laughs> yeah the, that'll do it this week huh Next week, um, I'll try to find someone else I can threaten violence on. Great. That's good. Because <laughs> this one podcast is definitely going to uh, tank it off of Apple Podcasts because Ben Shapiro, I believe, is famously litigious. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he can't sue me for jokes. It's cancel culture. I'd <laughs> be very hypocritical of him, wouldn't it? Oh, that's weird. You think those people care about that shit? <laughs> I, there's ample enough evidence in other episodes that obviously I said I was going to use the uh, Takashi 6 9 method of garnering fame, and that would be through uh, just trolling people and telling people I'm going to beat them up. Next thing I'm going to do is affiliate myself with um, some form of the Bloods. <laughs> okay. Except for, yeah, no, I know some people that are Bloods out here. I was going to say, probably like Nortenos, but... No, I don't even need to do that. I know some people are blows out here. It'll be fine. No problem. I already got my foot in the door. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, VHSCult.com. I'm Kyle, at Kyle Main on Twitter. I'm Sean, at A. Sean McDonald on, on Waters. You watch a, watch a Friday night the 13th with us next Friday. Or this Friday. This Friday. This coming Friday. Two days from when you hear this, we'll be watching Friday 13th on Twitch, VHSCult.com. 
Uh, send me an email. Patrick Wolf Watch is still ongoing. I'll mention Not it at the end of the episode. If anyone has any information about Patrick Wolf, please let me know. I was looking out the, the window at my school and I saw Patrick Wolf. He went on the swings and <laughs> then he down went the down the slide. <laughs> he went down the slide. That'd be like believable. I'd believe it. I'd be like, you know what? That sounds like something Patrick Wolf would do. <laughs> Uh, there also, we'll probably have a bonus episode relatively soon um, about Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. Yeah, and uh, it'll have to be a surprise guess. It's not anyone famous though, so don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my butthole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oh.